Well, good morning. This week, as we continue in the New City Catechism, we'll see some retreading of ground, just like last week as we we looked at sin, uh, though tried to look at it from a new angle. uh, We saw that sin is disobeying the law. So for the past several weeks, we've been looking at the purpose of the law. We looked at the Ten Commandments in greater detail, and so sin is disobeying any of those things. And it is living without reference or regard to God. And so today we're going to ask another question that we've looked at a little bit because of the Ten Commandments and and try to, again, hopefully take a new perspective on it. So our question for this week, what is idolatry? And the answer, idolatry is trusting in created things rather than the Creator for our hope, our happiness, significance, and security. And looking at Romans 1, 21 and 25, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. So idolatry is this turning away from God to other things. Now, we talked about idolatry when we started the the look at the Ten Commandments several weeks ago now. Uh, So I'm just briefly then going to give another definition and ask a few different questions about idolatry. So uh, I found Tim Keller's definition in his book, Counterfeit Gods, to be really helpful when thinking about what is idolatry and what is an idol. So Tim Keller defines idolatry as anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, and anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. And so we see in our, in our catechism question, or answer, rather, it's trusting in those created things rather than the creator for hope, happiness, significance, and security. Those are things that only God can give. Uh, the world may be able to give a false sense of hope, a false sense of security, a so- false sense of significance, Um, But those things don't last. Only God can truly give hope, security, safety, significance, and purpose that lasts beyond circumstances. Uh, Idolatry is making anything more important than God and finding our hope, significance, and, and all of these other things in something other than God himself. And here's what that means. Um, idolatry is more than simply, uh, crafting a little stone idol, a little stone symbol of something, and, and that becomes an idol. Uh, it's more than that. So that is certainly a part of it, and it's, it's the heart attitude behind that. But it also means that good gifts of God, uh, Good things that are to be enjoyed that, that God has given because he is a father who loves his children. Those good gifts can be misused, misapplied, and take a, a central focus and become idols. So even the good things that God has given us can become idols of our heart because we look to those things rather than him to give hope, security, safety, significance, and purpose. So we look to these things and place them before God. And so an idol is making something that is good, something that is can be bad, but it's taking something that is not supposed to have the ultimate place in our heart and giving it that ultimate place. 
And here's the, the tricky thing, I think, about idols. We don't always recognize them. We, we all have them. We all have things that we have turned into idols that we have allowed to define our significance, our hope, our purpose. And we don't always notice. They creep in, they sneak in, they, they make their way into our heart without us noticing that we've made an idol of them. And, and I think if we were to even say, God is the only one who defines my hope, my purpose, my significance. And I think we, would, we can say that and, and be honest with ourselves, but we've maybe missed something th that's happened in our hearts. Uh, there was a book written years ago called Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges, and he talks about um, these sins that we've allowed to be okay. They are, by by God's definition, sin, but we don't pay attention to them. They're um, they're small. They're, they're they're things that we're like, oh no, this is just part of life. You you should behave this way. And so we he calls them respectable sins, things that are sinful, uh, but we're okay with that. And I think idols can fall into this category of. Maybe not sin that we're okay with, but sin that we just don't notice is sin. Or we've given something control and we've given something a place of, of authority in our lives and we have, just haven't noticed. So how do we recognize and then root out the idols from our hearts? And I think there, there are three things we can use as a litmus test for, is this an idol in my life? Is this something that I've, I've given more significance to than I should have? First thing, this feeling of if I have fill in the blank, then my life is fulfilled. I worked at coffee shops in some of my teenage years. Um, and sometimes you'll say, oh, how are you? Know, how are you doing? And you're talking to the customers. They come through and they're like, well, I've got coffee. So now everything's great. Now, they're not necessarily and we are not necessarily saying, oh, yeah, a coffee fulfills me. But we see the heart behind it. If I have this drink, then my life is fine. I'm good because I have this. That might be an idol. Or on the flip side, if I don't have fill in the blank, then my life is not complete. My life is not fulfilled. I need this in order to be fulfilled as a person. If we're saying that, or if we believe that, or if we think that, that likely has a place of an idol in our hearts. And so that's a, the first litmus test, this feeling of if I have this, then my life is fulfilled, or I, if I don't have it, then my life is not fulfilled. A second litmus test or question to ask is, are you willing, are we willing to compromise our own values for the sake of this thing? Because if we're willing to compromise values for the sake of whatever it is, that likely is an idol in our hearts. Now, not necessarily, but probably. These are good litmus tests. They don't necessarily mean it, but it, it is a good way of showing. So are you willing to compromise your values for the sake of this thing? Um, I think about this with some of our extracurricular activities. You know, I, I think sports and athletics can be a really good thing and are a really positive thing and, and build a lot of good values into us as, as individuals. However, sometimes we compromise what we believe about gathering on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, and we compromise some other spaces for the sake of this thing. 
Does that mean it's become an idol? Maybe. Not necessarily. Those spaces can also be used in really effective ways for evangelism and outreach and personal ministry. And so thinking about thinking about it in that sense maybe shifts it out of the realm of idolatry into something else. But are you willing to compromise your values for the sake of this thing? And if so, it might have a place of idolatry in your own heart and your own life. And then lastly, as we've already considered a little bit, but are you looking to this thing, this whatever it is, to give you the things which only God can give you? Identity becomes a part of this. If I don't have X, Y, or Z, or if I'm not holding this job, or if I don't have fill in the blank, I don't know who I am without it. You know, if we don't know who we are without these things, it's probably at best, misplaced identity in terms of our identity in Christ, and at worst, it's a thing of idolatry. This can happen anywhere. It can happen in ministry. There there are pastors who say, I don't know who I am if I'm not a pastor. And if that's the case, even the pastorate, even this role of shepherd can become an idol. It's a good role. It's a good thing. It's something that we need, but it can be an idol. I don't know who I am without fill in the blank. Or I won't be safe or satisfied until I've been at this job for X amount of time. I have this amount of money in the bank. I have these things. I know this stuff. I won't be safe, satisfied, or have hope until fill in the blank. And whatever fills in that blank, it could be an idol. And, and so these, these three things, the feeling of fulfillment, I, if I have or if I don't have, then my life is or is not fulfilled. Willing to compromise, too, willing to compromise your values for the sake of this thing or looking for the thing to give you what only God can give. Those three things, as we answer those, I think it's going to start to reveal idols in our own hearts. These are practical litmus tests and questions that we can use to say, God, what are the idols in my own life? What, what needs to be pruned? What needs to be cut out as I seek to follow you more fully? And I should say, I want to say, these are good things. So it's not like we're saying you have to remove all fun. It's not like God saying, I don't want you to enjoy life. God gives us good gifts. But when those good gifts become ultimate, they become idols. And our idols tend to control and dictate the way that we live our lives. Once we've identified the idols, once we've seen these things in our hearts, what do we do with that? Uh, I love the psalmists writing in Psalm 139. Uh, we often go to this passage and think about uh, the presence of God, right? It says that God is with us wherever we are, that he knit us together, formed our inward parts. And we, we look to the psalm for that. But one of my favorite parts of Psalm 139 is actually the last two verses. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. See, once we've identified the idols, or even in the process of identifying the idols in our hearts, we ask God to search us, to try us, and to make known to us these thoughts, feelings, desires that are far from God, that there be any grievous way in me. And then we plead, God, lead us in the way everlasting. 
everlasting. And so as we approach searching out the idols in our heart, we, we begin with seeking God, with pleading with God that he search us, there's self-reflection and, and maybe more uh, intentionally self-examination. It's not just reflecting, but it's really examining every part of our lives and bringing it before God and saying, God, is this an idol in my life? Do I need to s- lay aside maybe this good gift for the sake of following you? And so we, we ask God to search us, to try us, to reveal the idols. And once they've been revealed, we plead, God, lead us in the way everlasting that we would give these things up. I think we have to deal with our idols in community. It's not necessarily every single person in the church needs to know what my idols are, but someone needs to. Our idols need to be dragged into the light, exposed for what they are. And in community, then, we are to bear one another's burdens and help each other move more completely towards holiness in Christ, right? Ephesians 4 talks about the work of ministry is to build one another up until we reach maturity in Christ. And so we need each other in order to remove the idols, hold each other accountable, encourage each other as we seek to follow Christ. We need to do that in community. And so we we bring our idols to others in the church that they might help us as we seek to follow Christ. But then Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is also helpful as we think about our idols. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so, In community, we bear one another's burdens and then we help each other fix our eyes on Christ. And we are to lay aside every sin, so those things that are not good gifts of God but are still idols, we lay aside the sin. But sometimes we lay aside weights, something that isn't necessarily sin but is holding us back. Um, It's keeping us from following Christ more faithfully. And sometimes that's for a season. We set aside the good gift for a time because it's taken the ultimate place. And so we lay it aside for a time. Doesn't mean it needs to go away forever, but we lay aside the good thing that we might follow Christ more faithfully. And that's the goal, uh, to, to follow Christ, to more faithfully be his disciple. And so these idols can be hard to spot, and we ask God, search us, reveal them to us. And once, once we see what those idols are, we bring them to others, we bring them to light, and we fix our eyes on Christ. And as we fix our eyes on Christ, he is the author, the perfecter of our faith, and we lay aside those weights and those sins that cling so closely in order that we might be faithful disciples of Jesus.